We have this idea that the end product is the ultimate goal. If it's music, it's this concert. If it's art, it's this vase that I've created. The vase is the thing, but in, and you see in, in, in the art world, this is the idea of this is the process that I went through, and that's a very important part of the art. In fact, the art is the process. Like I said, I think that you can go too far with that, but I think it also is helpful to see that what I'm doing here now in this moment even though you know i'm in shabby clothes and there's no audience to to hear me is a valid and important intrinsic part of what i'm doing welcome to workwise the growth mindset for wisdom at work this is part two in a two-part conversation with ned buster okay what do you have that's happy well, maybe we should talk about a couple of the ideas in the second book. Can we transition to that? Yeah, let's do that. I mean, really, really, they're not that different as I've been listening to this conversation. These are two sides of the same conversation, and I can see why one book was really an extension of the other. But when you, when you, more, when you focused it more in the second book on making music to the glory of God as opposed to all of art, um, a few things came into more uh, stark relief. Um, you started with the same idea that, that there's this concept of making in music, which you called musicking rather than just music, um, right? And, and and from there, I guess you wanted us to think about uh, you know the work of making it, right? Uh, well, yeah, and, and you talked about the interrelationship. For me, these three books, uh, uh, the art book, the music book, and the performing art books, are all having the same conversation, and they're all um, it, it was intentionally um, there's intentional overlap, different um, themes appear in the first book and appear in the third book so that you can have this conversation across these different uh, art art forms because they're all dealing with the same basic um, ideas and, and challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that's, that's good. And we've talked about the problem uh, or the process of making as being a way of, of loving people. Uh, it's also a, a kind of problem solving, right? That, that we're making something that didn't exist before. And it, it strikes me that, that there's a lot more of that in our modern work than, than there was 100 years ago or even 50 years ago. That what, what we used to think of the creative person or the artist as being the one that is, that is using the creative process, that has inspiration, that has um, all of these special skills. And then there's everyone else's work, which is not creative work, which I guess right. is just uh, procedural, mundane. You can look up the answer in a book and you follow the instructions and you get the result. Yeah, too but bad for I'm, you. Yeah, yeah too bad for you. But what I'm seeing more and more is that all of our work is, is even more now than ever creative work, that we're doing knowledge work, we're doing work where you're not just looking up the answer in a book, you're actually having to create something that wasn't there before. And a lot of the conversations I've had with people, they say, oh, I, you're, you do creative stuff. That's not for me. I'm not creative. Then they tell me what they do. And I, I show them that, well, actually, that's pretty creative work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for me, that's uh, and, and that's why I talk so much about the use the word making so often, because uh, even f for me, folks call me an artist and I, I'm still not comfortable with that, mostly because I think I'm not Picasso. I'm not uh, Monet. I'm not Michelangelo. So therefore, I can't be an artist which is probably faulty thinking on my part. But the where I land, though, is in making. And I'm like, yes, I understand. I am a maker. And I think if we think about what we do as being makers rather than being artists or not artists, I think that opens up a lot of potential um, for uh, really growth and, and creativity. Yeah. So one of the things that happens when you make something is that you make a mistake. 
right? <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you do? I, I've I'm, never had that problem at all. I wow. must be a great artist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, it's, not, it, it, it's not always popular in, in the business context, certainly in science and a lot of those places uh, where, you know, mistakes are, are not to be tolerated. I've heard, I've heard certain contexts where, you know, the, the uh, you know, a mistake is not an option or failure is not an option, right? We've talked about that before. But, um, but it happens anyway, so what do we do with it? And uh, you quoted Brian Eno from the band U2 in this book saying, honor thy error as a hidden intention. I was wondering if you could talk about um, the value of paying attention to your mistakes and the value that they have in, in creative work. Well, yeah, I, th I think that, I mean, obviously I don't enjoy failure. I don't enjoy mistakes, but you do have to accept it as, as part of it. And I think if you can think of not so much error as serendipity, uh, that that can open up, up the, uh, the way of viewing the work. Also, um, you mentioned Charlie Peacock. He, he's in the, the second book uh, as well, but also I, I quote him uh, talking about the idea of making and music making and he he uh, he says that he loves accidents, the tipping feeling of well, we're falling, we're falling, well we're recovering, and that that is so much of what he does as a musician and in the studio is trying to actually generate that feeling of um, being on the edge. I do, in addition to graphic design, I do uh, printmaking, as a lot of my illustration work is that way, and one of the reasons I do printmaking is precisely for the errors. It's for the mistakes. It's for um, the, the serendipity, for the, the parts that you don't expect. I think that if you, you know, uh, sometimes you won't see it, I guess, in, in, in different spheres. But for me as an artist, I really see it clearly when I'm, I'm closing off my options to mistakes or failure. If I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm replicating it, then it's going to look like, um, I don't know, it'll look stale or constipated. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's th this aspect of, of um, being open to, open to error, open to, um, you know, that's why I like the printmaking, because with the computer, I can copy, save as, it's very safe. Uh, and I think that the work that I generate that way ends up looking that more in that, you know, I, I don't want to say all of my work on the computers is that way because I think that you can do really great stuff on the computer, but you have to be willing to f to roll with it. With the printmaking, uh, you know, I know some artists will draw out every single line that that, that they're going to cut it to make the uh, when they're doing the block when they're cutting the mm -hmm. block for uh, the printmaking. For me, I like to draw kind of the basic thing and a lot of the details, but then I'll go in and I'll I'll let I'll let the problems drive me so that when there's uh, things happen that I wasn't expecting, I can I can make decisions on the fly and uh, see new new opportunities, new um, uh, new techniques, new images come forward. And I think that that's the the idea. You know, I don't know what Brian was saying when when he was speaking to you two about the hidden intentions, but for me, that's what I see as the errors. Um, or the potential, the joy of the errors is this, here's something I never thought would exist before because I just hadn't planned that mistake yet. 
Yeah. So, so I'm hearing two parts. I'm hearing the first part is an openness to the fact that mistakes will happen, that they're okay. They're, an, they're not a desired part, but an accepted part of the, the creative process that it's going to happen and sort of to plan for them or expect them a little bit. But I'm also hearing in this, the hidden intention part is it goes beyond that. And it says, what if this were a path to something good? What it's, it wasn't my intention, my overt intention, but what mm -hmm. if it was a hidden intention? What if it's the place the art wanted to go? And in that case, sort of being open to the extent that you could follow a path that you originally had no overt intention of taking to see what might come. You use the word serendipity. We only use the word serendipity in retrospect when it turns out that it worked. Right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and we have to accept that, that the path of serendipity is filled with pieces of paper that I've crumbled and thrown aside. Uh, I, to, to get to the good stuff, you have to go through the bad stuff. And I think that c communicating to people that there's no room for failure, that errors are, are our enemy and such, is crippling and actually deprives people of um, not just the opportunity, but the ability to create really good work because they are, they're so... Uh, tied up by this idea that I can't fail. So what I'm, the thought that's occurring to me is that, um, first of all, engineers are very creative people, um, but maybe they're not artists. And I think what we're saying here is that, um, that engineers try to eliminate error. It has to be perfect, right? Um, but maybe an artist engineers to a certain extent and then lets makes room for error so that they can discover and recreate and solve through those things. Well, I mean, I think that, no, I would say that the, the process includes error. I would say the engineer is, um, is being just as creative as the artist. Uh, both of us want to arrive at a point where that it works. Um, when uh, my wife's been watching this, this TV show recently about, these uh, like modern architecture things, and they're showing you these houses that really shouldn't like stand up because they're just so, so you know, <laughs> uh, gravity defying. And you realize they just engineered the heck out of the thing right, and really right. made it work. Yeah. Um, when I do a design, I want it to work. And eventually it means whittling down and getting rid of all the things that don't work. Um, was there error in, in that process? Yes. Uh, the error is not where I want to end up. Uh, I want to end up with something that is good design. And I think that that's, um, you know, I think this is where I think it's helpful to think of the idea of uh, yourself as being a, a maker rather than an artist. The engineer and I, and I have lots in common. Like I'm, I'm on um, the, uh, the session of my church and, and there, there's a guy who sits across from me who was an engineer for Armstrong World Industries. And I always say that if you and if you can get he and I to agree on on something, it's the will of God. Like because we're at, <laughs> at such opposite, and we're great friends, but we're we just think so completely oh, yeah. differently. But we both can come up to a solution that is just amazing because we're coming at it from different perspectives. Right. But we're both trying to do the same thing. Uh, but because he's being creative and I'm being creative, we're able to reach points that other people couldn't because they're. Um, uh, because they're coming at it from a more pragmatic, uh, well, we just have to solve this problem, rather than, you know, he and I are both uh, visionaries, capital V visionary, you know, and it, yeah. it's really interesting to see our meetings at church, 
both are that that are that both of the things that we say when wherever we're talking, it's it's because we're driven by this vision, by this by this mission. Other people are like, well, you know, we got to balance the book. You know, the budget's got to balance, right. or or they like, no, no, we we we're not interested in that at all. I mean, he, you know, we both have to. At the end of the day, it has to, the, the the zeros have to add up. But what we want to see is uh, work done according to the vision, according to the mission. So we're able to have the freedom to throw things away that people are like, well, that's a secret cow. And we're like, it's not. We're just going to get rid of that because we've got a bigger you know, piece of art that we're trying to make. Right, right. So one of the things that occurred uh, that, I, that I read in your book uh, that's characteristic of this maker mindset that you're talking about is the idea of a practice or rehearsal. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know I'm with creative people when they show me all the stuff that they're sort of playing with and, you know, tinkering with, right? As opposed to just, this is the one thing I, I right. have to make, right? right. So um, it struck me from your book, uh, Tom Jennings, writing about all the things that you can learn when you sort of adopt this mindset that rehearsal is really what you're more about than than perfection or per, you know performance so he talks about how um rehearsal it has a role in pursuing excellence and about freeing you up to experiment and it's sort of a an environment for cultivating discipline right and uh, oh, growing yeah. the community and, and even experiencing the presence of god talks about how some of the great musical moments in his uh experience have been actually in rehearsal not just uh, not that we want to throw away performance or that connecting with the audience doesn't matter, but a lot of times there's some there's some magic that happens even in that space of of opening yourself up to to a rehearsal space. And it, it made me wonder about um, maybe some of the business context that you've been in, how you've applied that that um, concept. What would a business look like, or what would a, a business process look like if you adopted this mindset that rehearsal um, had a lot of value? And that practicing and experimenting and um, doing kind of the prep work behind the scenes, as opposed to always, you know, performing everything. Right, right. And I, I want to point out that we've mentioned these are my books for a while. Uh, I was the editor, but like, yeah, Tom Jennings wrote that whole um, essay on practice. He's he's the head of the music up at uh, Redeemer uh, West Side Church in in New York, and um, yeah, so just credit where credit's due there's a lot of brilliant people and that was the whole point of the book is uh when i wrote the first one especially was i wanted to read what smart people were saying and i couldn't find the book uh that i wanted to read so i got all these people to get together and say deep things but as far as the um the practice i think for me uh it, it's a it's an aspect of valuing the work that the work in and of itself is good and um we have this idea that it has to be um, the end product is uh, is the is the ultimate goal that I have this this um, uh, whether if it's it's if it's music it's this concert if it's art it's this um, vase that I've created uh, one of the things I think could be positive in the contemporary art world is there's a, a real interest and focus on process that the uh, and sometimes I think it goes too far that. I actually am interested in the last, like, I, I want to see what the vase looks like. It, the vase is the thing. But, uh, and you see in, in in the art world, this is the idea of this is the process that I went through. And that's a very important part of the art. In fact, the art is the process. 
uh, like I said, I think that you can go too far with that, but I think it also is helpful to see that what I'm doing here now in this moment, even though you know I'm, I'm in shabby clothes and there's no audience to, to hear me, is a valid and important intrinsic part of what I'm doing. And I think that that, that is, um, again, you know, we, we're so we're so committed to the idea of the bottom line and the product and and this this um this widget shall we say that that we we lose touch with the the goodness that being made in the image of God that we can exercise as being workers and makers the goodness of making those things in community that I'm I'm with other people and that there's bigger things happening than just the widget and to see all these things we're we're very reductionist. We like to reduce everything to well. This this had a good um, a good result. This we have a good product here. We don't have a good product. Um, I I always tell people I I really suffer because as a graphic designer, my whole life is in quarter hour increments because I'm billing quarter hours rather than projects, <laughs> and how demeaning that is ultimately for me because then I end up evaluating relationships and evaluating experiences based on my hourly rate. Like, well, that wasn't worth a quarter hour of my life. Rather than seeing all these good things as gifts from God and, and being grateful for them. Well, that was... We that probably was, should that, ask the question again. I, I, no, no. <laughs> well, the, 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 Let's the, come back again. There's two big things there, and, and I want to just comment on the one thing, is the idea that the artist loves the process as well as the product they they in love they, they to engage in the making of something and that really hits me because one of the things that i frequently uh, uh tell people who are seeking career advice is you've got to find the work that you enjoy doing that the work process is what gives you gratification not the field that interests you mm-hmm um, yeah. because you know you can be fascinated with people uh, and how their minds work but you don't enjoy counseling people for eight hours a day right you hate you hate that right, <laughs> right? right. so 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 you'd rather maybe do research uh, on, on in psychology rather be a clinical psychologist right uh, yeah and see that yeah and and that, that there's value in both right and but but it's the process that um, that is important to people and that's new that's a new i'm learning a lot just listening to you guys about what you know the kind of mind and world of uh of artists are and it's not it's just a very it's a variation on on every other kind of person really yeah and if you talk to creative people they often uh you can tell that they like the process because you ask them what are you working on or what are you most excited about right now and for most of them if it's a healthy situation the thing they're most excited about is the thing they're working on right now like because it's it's so much at the tip of their um, learning and their experience and, hmm. and all of that. And you actually uh, quoted in the book, uh, or you had write for you, uh, Keith Getty, who talked about, he's a mm -hmm. songwriter. He talks about the enthusiasm that, that people bring to the work. And he says, if the current project's not the thing you're most excited about right now, then you need to ask serious questions about the development of your own gifts and about the spiritual or the state of your spiritual walk. So I was curious, Ned, what you thought of that. Like he's making a connection, not only about how excited people are with the current project, but also a connection between 
their spirit and their work. What do you what do you think he's after there? And what what do you think the connection is? I think that there's again, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Um, <laughs> I think there's a couple things, uh, and we probably need to keep asking this question three or four times to get at, at all the, the ideas. But the one thing that strikes me is people will hear that, um, that quote, you know, that you have to be excited about what you're doing. That doesn't mean that you like all your work all the time. And I think that that's something that people often, again, this, this mythological character who is the artist, capital A, um, again, at my soapbox, this, that we need to tear down. Artists are miserable as much as anyone else in their work. Um, and there's no, like, oh, well, he's in a studio, so he must be happy. No, no. Uh, in fact, sometimes, uh, like with my printmaking, you know, I've only been doing it a couple years. I'm still trying to learn the techniques. And I'll, um, no, even any, any, any of my creative adventures, if I'm really going into this, I'll warn my family. I'll say, just so you know, I'm about to be creative. And they know, run for your lives because dad's not going to be happy because I'm, I'm working through the, the challenges, the, the design issues, the, the technique issues, and it's just not a pretty place all the time. Doesn't mean I don't want to be there, but uh, you know, that, 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 that is where I'm focused. If you ask me what I'm doing, I'll, oh yeah, I'm doing this, that, the other thing. But let me tell you where I really am is I'm trying to work out this problem and, um, you know, the, the design or illustration problem. And that that is um, consuming me. And you see, you see that, I, I see that with my wife. She's a, a teacher at a local uh, classical Christian school. And we're talking and she just loves teaching. She's really good at it. But she'll get wrapped around this one issue of how do I communicate this to my kids? How do I get them to read? And they're focusing in on um, what brings them joy, you know, what brings her joy. What, in my work is bringing me joy, but it's not necessarily pretty and it's not necessarily happy. And I think that, th that, that sometimes folks will get confused and they'll say, well, I wasn't happy doing that. Well, no, but none of us are happy uh, doing our work at all times. A lot of times, you know, the, the great line from um, Chariots of Fire, you know, uh, Eric Liddell says, you know, I fear, feel God's pleasure when I run. Yeah, sometimes. There are times that I'm like, oh my goodness, can, has anyone ever designed as well as I have? Or has anyone ever created an illustration <laughs> as good as me? I think not. But, this is, but that's not every day. And, and to not have that experience all the time, uh, I don't know, Mike, I was just thinking about you talking about people looking for work and such, that you don't want to have them think that this is some kind of nirvana. And once you reach, the, you know, when you reach the perfect job for you, you'll have this experience all the time. Right. It just doesn't happen. Uh, we're yeah. all struggling mm -hmm. under the curse. You yep. know, I, I, there's, there's thorns in my work. I'm sweating in my work, just like Adam was sweating in his work and was dealing with thorns. Uh, it's all part of the process. So that that's kind of that's yep. the downer part. Let's go yeah. back to the beginning of that question again. Well, what, um, what you just what you just brought to mind was that quote where someone w says, uh, "If you find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life." I think that is so false. Oh yeah, right? you <laughs> burn that man you, alive. Yeah, like like the truth is, you find what you what, what you enjoy doing, and you realize that that that's the struggle for you. Right. Well, you, and you're willing to do that work. Yeah, I'm willing yeah. to put in the extra time that's not billable because I value this work. Right? Exactly. 
Exactly. And I, and so I, I think that even in the best job, it's a job, it's work, it's hard. It's probably harder than it really needs to be after the right. fall, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for some of us more than others. Yes. Sure. Right. So I think the, fi- the fact that you found something is hard is not, the, is not the, the indication that it's not for you. It might be an indication that it it's, might be a struggle. Uh, it, the question is, is that the struggle for you? Is that, is that the thing that you care enough about to work through? the the pain and the sweat and the tears that it takes to get something good and true and beautiful out into the world that will help people right no exactly I, I don't want to do I don't want to put time in to learn Excel spreadsheets I just don't that that's not going to happen in my life um, there are other things that I'm willing to sit down with YouTube and and figure out um, and 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 hire people to to counsel me and and to do workshops and you just have to figure out what those things are. I want to bring us back to the beginning of that question at your request. I think the part of it that we haven't yet touched on is that there's that that Keith Getty is making a connection between what's going on in us spiritually and what's going on in us vocationally. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's saying that if you're not excited about the work that you're doing and by that, we don't mean that it's easy and you're always happy and you're isolated, you're not experiencing any, any issues. I think what he's talking about is, is that you find the pursuit of excellence in this regard fulfilling. If you don't, uh, then the question is, um, is, is our spiritual, is, is our spiritual spirit problem a place to look? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious well, think, about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, uh, um, uh, you think of Romans, uh, chapter one, uh, it says they, they knew God, but they didn't thank God. And it led to futility of thinking and dark and foolish hearts. Um, that's like towards the end of the chapter. And I think that you see that all through Scripture. Uh, you know, you look in Exodus, and you know what? What's the big sin of the Israelites? Is unthankfulness? You know, unthankfulness. Yes, ingratitude. 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 They're not thankful. And I think that um, you see that, and you see how it can really be a cancer in your heart. And I think if 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 you can, if you see that there's, uh, you know, if you're not taking joy, maybe it's just that you're not thankful. Um, and that is a, a huge spiritual issue. That That's a, that's a, you know, if there's one big sin through the whole Old Testament, it's not being grateful. That, that we are made in the image of God. We've been given so much from God, and we need to be thankful for this. And if you're not thankful, that is going to affect your work. I see it in my work that I'm always complaining about things or griping, and it takes the joy out of what I'm doing. It's not that I shouldn't be doing it. It's just that I'm ungrateful and that we need to, uh, we need to be a thankful people, uh, believers you know, especially, that we, we know where, that this has been given to us. This is a gift, and I need to be grateful for it. Uh, you, know, you, you see the punk little kid opens up his present on Christmas, uh, says that's not what I wanted, throws the Lego set aside and then loses all the, the potential joy and fun of that because it wasn't pr- the particular thing that they wanted. It's ungratefulness. Instead of just saying, what, what have I been given and how can I bring, uh, how can I use this well to God's glory? And I think that that's where you start seeing the joy come in. Yeah. And if you're not seeing joy, I think a lot of it is because you're not thankful. And, and I see that as a huge, um, a huge spiritual issue. I think maybe there's a connection there too um, that that we haven't made because I'm thinking about my, reflecting on myself and that the trials 
right, that we go through the difficulties. Yeah, consider pure joy, brothers, when you face trials. Right, that, that God is using that to build us. Yeah. And, and that, that's part of the process. That's, the, that's, the, that's part of the work for our, our spiritual development. And, and, um, and you know, when, when I face trials, what I say is I'm failing. Right, right. And, and I don't say, oh, oh, God is using this or he wants to use this or this is part of the process. And so I don't experience joy in it and I gripe and I complain and I lose focus and I don't find the joy in it and I lose focus of what the end goal is, you know, what the end well, state and you, is. Well, and you, you don't learn what you could be learning in through that whole thing. Right, yeah. And yeah. I think that's the important thing of why why we need to make sure that we are um, in, in community with other people. I meet with uh, some guys from church once a week for breakfast every week. And a lot of that is just so that they can say, Ned, you're an idiot. And you, you know, you're not seeing this the way it is. Cause yeah, you're in the middle of that, that trial and you're not seeing how this is useful. You're in the middle of that, that mistake, the error, the failure, and you're not seeing how God is using that or how it can be used for his glory. And that's why we need people in our lives to say, Hey, this is how, this is how I see God working. And this is how, um, you know, the, the joy that you could be seeing if you would just open your eyes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Square Halo Books and ask you about what you're, how, how are you loving people by the books that you're publishing and creating? Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I, uh, Square Halo Books uh, began about 20 years ago. Uh, some friends of mine, uh, the Bowers, uh, Alan and Diana Bauer, wanted to start this book publishing company because they saw the fact that, uh, well, with books and the book publishing industry, a lot of it is name recognition, you know, or do you have a good brand rather than do you have a good book? And we, they wanted to really create a place where uh, folks who had a good book could be uh, printed and, and promoted. And so in that way, it's really uh, definitely driven out of love for authors. Our mission statement is... Um, uh, we're uh, something along the lines of uh, that we're equipping the saints, and and uh, that's part of it. And that that I think is another aspect of the love that we do this book publishing company to equip the church. We want to help uh, our brothers and sisters live out um, the truth of the gospel in their every sphere of life, and uh, a lot of times our books aren't necessarily i don't know successful you know as from a, from a, a monetary standpoint but the point for us is making books that matter books that are needed books that are going to equip uh those um in various fields like i we're a small book pu- publishing company i'm not going to have us sign a contract for uh you know a dummy's guide to car repair or something there's plenty of those kind of books out there what i'm looking for are um, niches, um, um, areas that that folks are in need. Uh, I was really excited about the third book in this series, the performing, or the it was good one. Uh, I mean, all books, I, all this, all three, I think, are important because there's so little written about these ideas. But certainly in the performing arts, you see very, very little about um, how do we bring glory to God through theater and stage and dance. And I think that that. Is you know if you look at what is shaping our culture, it's movies and TVs. I mean that that's where yeah. the ideas are happening, and that's where 
uh, you know, I, I say, well, you know, if you see this problem, I can, sh- I can point you to the TV show that led to this idea. Um, that, and so we as Christians mm-hmm. need to be engaged in this stuff. So um, all I have to say is that that's what Square Halo is kind of exists for, is we want to equip and encourage the saints. Um, we want to uh, help folks think biblically about what they do, every sphere of life. I mean, that's one of the things growing up, I grew up a, a, a believer, but you know, in a in a uh, Christian school culture, that there is real bifurcation of there's what you do, and then there's there's church, and it's very important to me that we're helping people to see that uh, Sunday and Monday are connected, and that the, you, we aren't we aren't uh, Gnostic. We're not going to have uh, spiritual experiences, but then we have to get our hands dirty. But that all these things are um, to be done to the glory of God, and um, that the spirit infuses every single part of it. Nanette, a, a good friend of mine once told me, uh, taught me that um, his quote was that uh, all art is an expression of um, what is or what should be. And oh, I love that. I, I have I have forever looked at the performing arts through that lens uh, and said, what are they expressing? about what is or what should be, and what are people believing from this? The idea that Ken said earlier is ideas have consequences, yeah. right? And yeah. and the ideas that we are expressing about what it is and what it should be, it, the performing arts, as you said, they have the stage. They have the <laughs> literally. Most, they, they, they have, literally, they have, they have the most prominent stage there is. And, and, um, and so... You know, they have a powerful, they're a powerful force on our lives and our, and our world. And so that work matters uh, yeah. tremendously. And, um, you know, there are examples I know in South America where, where uh, the uh, uh, culture was changed through TV shows on purpose around the issue of uh, spousal abuse, hmm. where, where um, they decided to change the culture because it was, uh, it was an, uh, an epidemic. It was part of the culture where you could, you could beat your spouse, and that was okay. Uh, but through TV, they started to slowly dress that, and they, and they actually turned the corner on, on that. Uh, and I forget which country that was, but they used TV for that expressed purpose of changing that attitude and changing the culture around that. So I thought that was a... Uh, an incredibly powerful uh, uh, um, vehicle for for changing our world for the better. Oh uh, yeah, and, and the, that's a great example because it says that this does work. And I always amaze people try to discredit, uh, like, oh well, that's just a TV show. Like you don't know, you don't understand. This is where it's all happening. It's not just a TV show. This is going to change the way people think, and you know we see that. Um, you know. Sadly, it's not always for a good thing. It's not always to get rid of child abuse or whatever, or spousal abuse. That that um, there are other big ideas that are are being um, worked out in uh, sitcoms and and dramas, and and um, that uh, these things really matter. I, I, <laughs> my kids often get upset with me and my wife because we'll be watching TV and we're we're. Um, treating each show as a as an exercise in discernment and, right. uh, yeah. like, can't you just watch the tv show or can't just watch the movie uh it, like my 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 elder two girls are in in new york and 
I saw a movie before them and uh, I texted them like, oh, yeah, this I love this movie except for X, Y, Z. And then they, they um, you know, that I, I didn't tell them exactly, but then they they texted me after they said, they said, we love this movie. I'm like, well, yeah, I love it. And we went through and we discussed it. And like, yeah, I, I loved exactly all the things. But what about this issue? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that was in there. Like, yeah, it was in there. That was the that was a little bit of poison that was wrapped in beauty. And we can't uh-huh. say that that wasn't, you know, that it's not going to have its effect. You swallow the candy with the poison in it. It's just because it tastes sweet does not mean that the poison mm. doesn't isn't effective anymore. Wow. Um, uh, you know, so I think that that we always are need to be on, on guard and 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 be discerning and be wise, um, about these things. And how did we get here? My goodness, we covered a lot of topics, haven't we, Ken? Well, perhaps I'll say the obvious, uh, Ned. It was good talking about it. Was good uh, the series <laughs> nice. with you. Uh, a series of three books. It, I, the titles again. It, it was good. Uh, making art uh, for to the glory of God was the first one. The second one. It was good making music to the glory of God. And then the third. Uh, it was good performing arts for the glory of God. for the glory of God. Is that the right title? That's pretty close. If not, yeah. Okay. Um, so so Ned, uh, where would you like to direct people who want to get a hold of these books and go deeper on these on these uh, ideas? Uh, that, yeah, that'd be great. They, you can uh, get them through the, the website, squarehalobooks.com. We have a store, uh, but I always encourage people not to buy it through us because uh, we're a publisher. We're not a, a bookseller. And if you buy it through us, we will ship it to you, but it's not going to be the cheapest way. Um, what we encourage people to do is buy our books through, and you can get it through Amazon or any other, but we like going uh, local and um Shopping small, and our favorite bookseller is uh, Byron Borger at Hearts and Minds Books. It's heartsandmindsbooks.com. He uh, has a, it's just a little mom and pop uh, store, uh, actually near where I live, about forty minutes away. And it's one of the greatest bookstores I've ever been in my whole life. What I love going there. I always leave sixty to hundred dollars. Um, <laughs> Poorer, not because his books are expensive. It's just because he has such a great selection. Uh, you go yeah. in there and you pull books off the shelf, and you realize that there's a whole row behind the books that you just pulled off. And uh, and they they have fantastic customer service. Um, we make it a point to order from them as as much as we as humanly possible. Uh, their their care for the customers is really great, and um, and also they just know so much you uh if you have like we often will have a question we'd like to have a book like this what would you recommend and we get emails back that are like pages long of just different options um yeah so i can i can never say enough good about hearts and minds books hearts and minds is the only bookstore i know of that's known by the name of the person who's curating the mm, collection yeah. they say you should get this at byron what was the name of that bookstore i don't remember but talk to byron right because right. he's an amazing force for good in the world he's oh, he knows yeah. so much about the books he knows what to recommend. He listens to you and then has uh, plenty of really good. I've never been led astray uh, by his suggestions. No, and, they really uh, listen and they, they know they know what's out there and what, what can yeah. be. Got. And, they, and they'll get obscure stuff, too, yeah. which is really fun. And it's I would encourage people also just to go to his website because he has a, um, a thing called Book Notes where he writes uh, book yeah. reviews about different. And they're just epic 
reviews. Just <laughs> just reading those is, is educational yeah. because everything he's he's name dropping a hundred people in the middle of a of a book review and and connecting you to twelve other books about that book. Yeah, it's um, it's the opposite of of Amazon in a way. It's it's natural or it's organic. It's local. Absolutely, and it's not yeah. about the process of getting a low price and and easy shipping. It's really not that. It's really more about what's going to serve the reader and how can we give them what they really need. And uh, so great recommendation uh, oh, to, yeah. to get get Square Halo books. At yeah, they always have Square Halo books. Whenever we come out with a book, they have it first and they always have everything we uh, have published in stock. Cool. All right. Well, this has been great. Um, so many ideas. Uh, yeah, there's so many things said. I'm not. I'm not sure where we where we we've been a lot of places with this, haven't we? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, there was no story arc here. It was <laughs> a complete octopus of ideas. Well, I just want to thank you for the octopus of ideas uh, that you gave us, Ned, and lots to pull from and lots to apply here from this. So thanks for being on the podcast with us. Thanks, oh, it was Ned. an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to WorkWise, the growth mindset for wisdom at work. And if you're listening to this and thinking, gosh, I could really use a creativity workshop and someone to help me with my team to be more creative and productive so we can innovate, why don't you head on over to creativitylabs.us and connect with us. We'd love to help you out.